you know, that's what church is about, right? That's what it's about. Loving God, loving people, finding your purpose, and being launched into what God has created you for. Today, the Lord has a really, really, really special gift for you. So, fasten your seatbelts and receive the promise of God to you, for you today. Today, we're talking, we're, we're wrapping up our series this week and next week. This week, we're talking about living your dream, the purpose for which you were created, and, and beginning to walk in that, beginning to, to just discover who you are and, and being fulfilled and, and understanding that the Lord is for you. I think so many of us, like Gabe said, that we believe that, oh, if I surrender to God, then he's just going to wreck my life. And in some ways, he kind of does. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. But the times where he wrecks your life, it's always in a good way. You're, you're, you get wrecked in a good way because he always restores. He always builds us up. He always, always, always heals us and brings us into a life of purpose and a life of fulfillment because we were all created for purpose, right? Every one of us, right? Does anybody doubt that? Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, you were created for purpose. Now turn to somebody and say, God has created dreams within you. And that is what we are going to discover this morning. Um, so, so this church exists to love God and love people, to help people grow their life in Jesus, um, impact their world. We talked about that last week, and to live their dream. Now, this isn't—we're not into the whole prosperity gospel about name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it. We're not about that. We're about discovering the things that the Lord has placed deep within you. These are things that God has birthed. I was just reading in Revelation how before the foundations of the earth, God wrote our names in the book of life. Before the foundations of the earth, before earth was even created, he was thinking about you. He had you in his heart. And this morning he wants to speak to you about who you are, who he created you to be, and what the dreams are that he has placed within you. So if you would, please turn in your Bibles. Okay, I want to just say this. I, I was trying to share with our, with our team this morning about um, the chances of getting the same scripture twice in a row. So there are th over 31,000 Bible verses, right? So the chances of getting the same Bible verse, I don't know, where's Jerry, the math guy? So it's 31,000 times itself to get the same one twice. Well, I got this same passage three times in a row. I hesitated not to do it because it's, it's a pretty, it is admittedly a really common scripture. It's kind of one of those that you put on your, like your coffee mug or, you know, you have it on a little plaque up in your bathroom to remind you or, or whatever. So, I, so I'm not saying that this isn't a common passage, but because of the fact that it's a really common passage, I kind of was like, ah, that's, I don't want to speak on that. But then when I looked at our, our little brochure, that was the passage. This is the passage we're going to be talking about today. And several of you probably have it memorized already. I understand that. It was actually the first passage in the Bible that I memorized, this section. And 
unfortunately, um, it's, it's a really common, it's a common passage, but that does not diminish its import. That does not diminish the significance of this particular passage. You're probably wondering what it is. <laughs> what is it? It's in Isaiah 40, and it says, you are less than nothing. All of your works are utterly worthless. No, I'm just kidding. That's not it. <laughs> See how you can misuse scripture? <laughs> that actually is in the Bible. There's some, there's some crazy ones that are in the Bible, but we're not going to go into that today. But what I want to say about this, it's in Jeremiah chapter 29, starting with verse 5. <laughs> you thought I was going to start with 11. This, this passage is very often used, and I just want to say something. I'm going to get on a little soapbox this week again. Um, this isn't about politics. Oh, incidentally, last week I was on a little soapbox about politics, right? For those of you who heard me, um, kind of ranted a little about you not ranting on social media and not making politics the thing that defines you. Amen? Can I get an amen on that? Yeah, okay, thank you. I love it. <laughs> Um, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't vote. You should vote. That's our right. And, and, you know, they say that the only way that evil will happen is if good people do nothing. And so I do think that voting is very important. So now that I got that out of the way, I want to say also, I have not really been on social media very much. So I don't know who I was talking to. So if you were offended, I didn't mean to offend you personally this is a principle that I'm talking about, is that as believers in Jesus, we're called to be salt and light. We're called to, to shine the light of truth, and we're, we're called to glorify Jesus, not our own political leanings and our own, okay? Okay? All right. All right. So I just wanted to go off on that. Now I'm going to go off on another thing. Um, this thing is, all right. I love, 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 love the Word of God. The only reason I am standing here today is because of the treasures that you can find in here. This particular passage has been misused. Okay, people have taken this and, and overlaid it on their own selfish aspirations. Okay, this is not what we're going to talk about today. We are talking about a God-paved road for you to walk on. And we're going to talk about principles, okay? These are principles of truths that God wants to speak into your life. Okay, so what's happening here? I'll give you a little bit of historical background. This is in the book of Jeremiah. So Jeremiah is a prophet. The prophets all point us toward Jesus. Actually, everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. But this is um, what has happened here is that the Egyptians have come in. King Nebuchadnezzar has oppressed the Israelites and oppressed Judah. And they were actually... It's kind of like ice came in and they were all deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. Okay, Babylon is not so great. It's called Babylon the Great, but it's really not because it, it represents exile. It represents uh, a barrenness and pain and trial and anything bad. Okay, so imagine you're just going about your life. 
all of a sudden your enemies are put in power. It would be horrible. Our enemies are put in power. Enemies, fill in the blank, whoever that, I mean, it might be a certain nation, or it might be a certain sin, or it might be um, someone who opposes your faith, or whatever it happens to be. But imagine that you are under their jurisdiction. They control your life. Imagine this. This is what's happening. So they have had to leave Jerusalem, which is the holy city, the city of God. They've had to leave Jerusalem and go to Babylon. They were deported, essentially. It's like ice comes in, takes them, moves them over to Babylon, and, and now they're living in Babylon. And so there was a prophet named Hananiah who prophesied, oh yeah, this is no big deal. Don't even worry about it. Well, that prophecy was not of the Lord. And so God was not happy with that. Jeremiah comes in here, and we're going to start. Um, this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles I deported. He says, I deported. Did you hear that? Even though it would appear that the enemies did this, the Lord says, I deported them from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, starting in verse 5, I want you to, I want you to listen to this in the context of the exile that we are all living right now. What is the exile we are living right now? COVID. Think about this. This is our exile. And this is what it says in verse 5. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens, eat their produce, find, find wives for yourselves, have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons, give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there, do not decrease. Pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. How many of you pray for the state of Utah? How many of you pray for your city? Pray for the well-being of your city. Pray that the NIV says, this is the Christian Standard Bible version, but the NIV says, pray for the prosperity. Some versions say, pray for the peace. Pray for the peace of the city that you're living in. And this is saying, multiply here. This is, Jeremiah is trying to tell them what they were doing was they were living in limbo. So let's imagine, okay, so here we are, we're in the coronavirus situation. So we're standing here going, when is this going to be over? Anybody? How many of you have ever uttered these words? I am so sick of COVID. <laughs> Every hand should go up, probably both, <laughs> unless you only have one. Um, but really, think about this. The Lord has given us a reset. I mean, coronavirus, it sucks, okay? Can I say that in church? I just did. Um, but So we're standing here going, come on, get us out. Let's get back to normal. Are we ever going to really go back to normal? Okay, here we are. What is normal anyway? Okay? Setting on your dryer. Okay. But... Seriously, we're, we're standing over here waiting. 
And this is what the Israelites were doing. They were just waiting. They're like, oh, when is this exile going to be over? And Jeremiah comes in there and he just, he busts them and he's like, come on, thrive here, survive here, put your roots deep, live here, become a part of, of what could actually bless this area. Be a blessing rather than just kind of waiting for this to all be over. This represents coronavirus right here. This, is, this represents what many of us have been doing, right? Just kind of chilling, waiting for it to be over. I remember a friend of mine, she's very prophetic, and she told me, she goes, I really think this is going to go way, way past September. This is back, she said this back in April, and I was like, whatever. I'm thinking this is going to be over by June. I mean, I remember we were talking, like in, in, in May, we're like, oh yeah, it'll, this is going to be over by June. It's almost October, and here we are. Exile. This is where we're living, isn't it? We, we hate it. We feel like we're in bondage. We feel like all of our rights have been stripped away, like we don't have the freedoms that we normally had. Everything's been upturned in our lives. Some of us have lost jobs. Some of us have experienced financial hardships. Some of us are just can't stand our spouse anymore. Some of us can't stand our kids anymore. The kids can't stand you anymore. I mean, there's all kinds of things that have been going on. I mean, the whole parents having to homeschool their kids and they are not prepared for that. I mean, there's a lot of upheaval, not to mention the fear that people are living with, the fear that people are dealing with, but it's over here. There's nothing here. And Jeremiah is saying, don't do that. Make yourself a little place to hang out. Build some houses. You know, build some houses get some plants, enjoy this, prosper here, okay? Do you, do you get the picture here? Because I'm going to be coming back over here, but I have to go over here because I don't have it memorized. I do have some of it memorized, but this part I don't. Okay, so he's saying build houses. He's saying don't, don't decrease. And this is what the Holy Spirit's saying to us now. In the midst of your exile called COVID, don't decrease. Jesus has given you a reset. He's given you an opportunity to change your habits. He's given you an opportunity to seek freedom, to, to restore your relationships, to heal some things in your life, to get your priorities straight. Do you understand what God is doing in this? Do you understand that God allowed COVID? Maybe even, okay, I'm not going to go there. God allowed COVID. <laughs> Let's stop there. I don't want to get your emails. Okay. Um, <laughs> but here, multiply there. Don't decrease. And I just, am, I, I just believe the Holy Spirit saying this to us right now. Multiply here. Let whatever God's doing become more, become better, become greater. You know, I, I, I'm not going to talk about myself, but I am going to talk about what I'm doing in my class. So I think I shared with you guys that, um, so I'm, I'm going back to college, better late than never, and I am um, studying uh, human behavior in organizations, which has been fascinating. And, you know, I realized when I started going back to school that I was going to have to make some changes in my schedule. 
And I realized, because the president of the university asked us in our residency, what are you going to, what are you going to say no to? And I thought, well, I am not going to say no to ministry, because that's what I'm called to. And I am not going to say no to time with my grandchildren, because that's the most important thing <laughs> besides Jesus. And so I'm thinking, what am I going to say no to? So you know what I had to say no to? Netflix. <laughs> yeah, you, we should all say no to Netflix, actually. Um, but what I mean is I've had to say no to just innocuous. I love my medical shows. I do. I love medical shows. But I've had to say no to these, to just wasting time, basically. And I'm not, I'm not preaching at you. I'm just telling you my story, okay? I, I, I realized I was winding down at night, spending all this time watching shows that don't benefit my life, don't benefit anybody's life necessarily, and certainly don't benefit my sleep patterns. <laughs> and so I just realized, you know what? I, I'm going to just start cutting that out. And the only way that I could do that was to start to get up in the morning at around five or six, which in my definition, used to be the middle of the night. I mean, the only time I'd get up at five in the morning was to just empty my bladder and go back to bed for a couple more hours. So for me, this was a huge transition, getting up before the sun. Like, I didn't know there were two fives in the day. Like, I knew the one right before dinner. <laughs> but seriously, it's, it, and it's, it's been revolutionary for me. And so... I'm not saying don't watch things, but now rather than having to like wind down at night, I collapse <laughs> to sleep, which is good because then I'm able to get up early in the morning and get going and get my stuff going. And I don't have to say no to the things that are eternal and the things that matter. So, so today I just want to propose to you, how can you increase in the middle of this, in the middle of your exile? What can you do to increase? You thinking of something? Because there's something you can do. Because the Lord is never done with you. He's always got better and more and more and more. He's got increase for you. So, moving on. Pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. When your city prospers, you will prosper. It's saying, this is what the Lord's calling us to do. As I mentioned earlier, we are to be salt and light in the world. We are supposed to be the hope. We are supposed to carry the message of hope to a hopeless world. So moving on in verse 8, it says, For this is what the Lord of armies... The God of Israel says, okay, don't let your prophets who are among you and your diviners deceive you. Don't listen to the dreams you elicit from them. For they're prophesying falsely to you in my name. I've not sent them. This is the Lord's declaration. What this represents is, are the kingdoms of this world. This represents what I would say is ambition, personal ambition, or, you know, there are scriptures that talk about that, that in the last days, there's going to be teachers that are going to tickle your ears. They're going to just say all these things that you want to hear. 
They're going to just say all these things. This is kind of the prosperity doctrine, kind of the prosperity gospel. Because the truth of the matter is, really, following Jesus means losing your life. And so losing your life is not always, um, in our estimation, the optimum choice. It always is, and it's always beneficial, but our flesh hates it. Our flesh does not want to say no to itself. But, but you know, the thing is that one of the things, when you offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God, first of all, sacrifices were disgusting. They were gross. They were bloody. I mean, they would, they would slice these animals up, and they would take out all their entrails and, and their guts and everything. This is what God's calling us to do. <laughs> He's saying, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. And he will slice you and take out your guts and he'll rearrange you. But he's always going to put you back together better. And he's always going to take out the tumors. He's going to take out the junk. And what he's saying here is don't fall into the patterns of this world. Don't fall into the lies that say, oh, you shouldn't have to suffer. If God's a good God, how could he let you suffer? Well, you know what? A good God will let you suffer because it causes you to be desperate for him and he will meet you in your time of desperation. You know, I was thinking about this last night with just going through trials and going through hardships and and how, you know, there's so many, I don't know how people can read the Bible and not see that we are called to suffer at times and that that suffering is for our benefit. You know, when my husband passed away, I didn't didn't really necessarily want to suffer, but I didn't have an option. I suffered. I suffered deeply. And I'm not saying this for pity. I'm saying this because I want to say that in the midst of that suffering and grieving and mourning and agony, there was a nearness of the Holy Spirit that I yearn for now. You know, a lot of prisoners of war who are Christians, say the same thing. They say that when they were in that concentration camp, they had nothing else, and they were desperate for God, and God met them, and that when they they get released and they come back out into normal civilization, they yearn for that intimacy with God. Are you desperate enough to yearn for his presence, to yearn for his word? You know, I was so frustrated yesterday. We had a, this isn't the part that frustrated me. We had a, a simulcast for the women, which was glorious and awesome and amazing. It was off the chain. It was awesome. But I was a little frustrated because last year they, um, they, they quoted this passage and it was the exact sermon that I was going to preach the next day. So guess what happened yesterday? Jeremiah 29. Hello. And I was just like, okay. (laughs) But I also knew it was a confirmation. This is what I was supposed to tell you about today because I do believe this is a prophetic word today. So it says here, it says, they are prophesying to you in my name. I've not sent them. But this is what the Lord says in verse 10. For this is what the Lord says, when 70 years for Babylon are complete. Okay, we could still be in coronavirus in 69 and a half years. 
Think about this. I mean, we're all thinking, oh, this is going to be over by Christmas, or oh, this is going to be over by October. Maybe not. Build houses, increase, multiply, don't decrease in the middle of this, okay? This is the word of the Lord. It says, I will attend to you and I will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. And here it is, verse 11. Now, here's my rant. Okay, some Bible teachers say, well, this wasn't written to you, so this doesn't apply to your life. I'm so annoyed when people limit the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible is living and active, okay? It's, it's not just a historical book. It is a historical book. It is the most accurate historical account of what happened, but it's also living and active, and it can minister principles to us, Okay? This is a principle. Yes, this was written to those who were in exile, but this is also written to these who are in exile. Okay? This is what the Lord says. I know the plans I have for you. And this is what Jesus wants to say. Imagine we're, can I sit over here? We're chilling with Jesus. You're sitting here with Jesus, and he's like, Marie, I know the plans I have for you. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I have plans to give you a hope and a future. And this is what he's saying to you. He's saying, I know the plans I have for you. I have plans to prosper you. Prosper in his definition of prosper, okay? Bless you, heal you, restore you, help you to increase. He knows the plans he has for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. See, God gets a bad rap. All the bad stuff that happens, ah, how could God let this stuff happen? Well, maybe he wants to draw you in to him, to cause you to be desperate for him, to sit with him and hang out with him and learn who he is and let him surprise you. Maybe that's what he wants to do during your exile. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And it says here, you will call to, I'm sorry, I memorized it in the NIV, so I know it's not the same exact, I'll read it in this version. I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being. This is what God has for you. Plans for your well-being. And it says here, I lost my place. Not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me. And, oh man, I love this. I love this. I will listen to you. How much do you hate it when you're talking and nobody's listening? You know, you start telling a story, and you look around and it's like, my husband used to say, ever tell you about the time I ate a bowling ball? just to see if people were listening. Don't you hate that, though? You're talking, you're pouring out your heart, and you realize nobody's listening. Or they're, you know, doing their, their to-do list in their brain or whatever. The Lord, it says, I love this. This is one of the most profound verses to me. It's in the Psalms, and it says, the Lord is attentive to the cry of the righteous. 
he listens to their cry. He's listening. He's attentive. He's like, listening. While you're talking to him. This is why he wants you to pray to him. And it's going to benefit you. It's for your well-being. It's saying you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with part of your heart, even if it's kind of divided. Right? No. All. What does that mean? In the original language, what this means is all. Every bit. All. With all of your heart. And this is what he says. And you are, and I will be found by you. If you seek for him with all of your heart. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore your fortunes. I will gather you from all the nations and the places where I banished you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore you to the place from which I deported you. What the Lord is saying is that he wants to make you whole. Everything that has been robbed from you, everything that has been broken in you, everything that has been violated and abused and mistreated and ignored and defiled, God wants to restore healing and health and wholeness to you. So you can wander around here and just wait till the coronavirus goes away. 69 and a half years later. <laughs> or you come over here and you're like, I am going to enjoy the Lord. I am going to enjoy my life even when I suffer. And here the thing is, Ambition, worldly ambition is about me. Worldly ambition is about what I can achieve and what I can accomplish. All that worldly ambition will lead you to is selfishness, panic, and, and a, a sense of, of stress and strife. But the vision of the Lord, the dreams that the Lord has placed within you, the things that he has prepared for you to do, these things are about obedience. Vision is about being obedient to what God is calling you to. And this will lead you to patience and to faith. And this is my question for you. When are you going to do it? I said it. What are you waiting for? When are you going to stop running? When are you going to stop making excuses? When are you going to stop sinning? When are you going to stop just ignoring the call of God on your life. When? When? Because I say this all the time, I know it's not popular, but Jesus is coming back soon and he's not and he doesn't he's not going to give us any like warning. And so what I want to ask you, are you doing the things you want to be doing when he comes back? Are you doing the things that that you want to be doing? so that he will look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Why are you doing stuff that the world is telling you is beneficial? Are you just trying to make a bunch of money? 
Are you looking at stuff you shouldn't look at? Are you thinking thoughts you shouldn't think? The Lord is gracious and compassionate and he's wooing us back. He's saying, I want to bring you to this place of prosperity and well-being and goodness and joy and peace and intimacy with me that you have never experienced. So when are you going to say yes? When? What else is there? He has the words of eternal life. There's nowhere else to go. Trust me, you can go around and around and around and around and around and you will not find fulfillment unless you are walking in the dreams God has birthed within you. It's time. It is time to say yes. It is time to surrender. Let's stand and let's worship the Lord. Mm -hmm.